You're experiencing somebody on the spot being incredibly vulnerable and they're providing their most, the most, you know, truest, authentic, creative form to you. You structure the thing to, to not completely fail but you leave so much up to chance. I mean, you just keep turning up regular music, eventually it's gonna become noise, you know? If you begin to start listening to noise as, you know, a form of ambient background, you begin to appreciate some of the blips and the pops and the, the various different kinds of hisses. We were asked whether, oh, is this one of those guerrilla noise shows? <laughs> Unless it's like really accessible music for people, you kind of have to prop each other up and take care of each other. Make an effort to put on the kind of music that you wanted to hear. And sometimes I hate it. Sometimes it's the worst music sound, if even it's music. I don't even know if it is sometimes. But um, it's the, just the fact of doing and creating and being in the experiment and, and, and just having that like moment in space time. I, I just feel that like in the experimental field, like you should just dive in, you know, and like, you know, whatever catches your eye and grabs your attention, uh, you should, investigate it. I think there's endless possibilities for for uh, different sort of you know sonic experiences. Just turn it up. <laughs> You're at a show. People are crowded around a person behind a table covered in mixers, cords, and unidentified electrical instruments. The sounds you're hearing are unspeakably loud, droning, and ear-shattering. Is it music? Is it anti-music? That's up for debate, but what we do know is that it's called noise. You're listening to All Access on CFUV 101.9 FM, broadcasting from Victoria on the Songhees and Husanich territories of Lokwungan and Sinchothan-speaking people, whose relationships to the land continue to this day. On this episode, we'll find out what all the commotion is about. What is noise? What is the appeal? And what is the state of the local scene? To Chris, one of our interviewers on All Access, noise is not music. It's anti-music. True noise is created using techniques that are non-musical, which means noise is something entirely different than music. Music can affect our emotional state, but noise affects something beyond our emotions. Noise is interfacing with levels of the human experience that music cannot access, because noise doesn't appeal to our sensibilities in the way music does. Music requires rhythm, melody, and texture. A noise artist will counter all of these components one by one. The sounds created will allow something else altogether to emerge as a result of that music-opposed performance. A noise performance abhors rhythm. If rhythm is present, the performance immediately becomes tangible to the audience as some sort of industrial or punk music. Melody would feel so out of place in a noise act that jazz music's most tenuous live improvised riff could be considered a rote recital. Noise has no use for texture, each moment being an opportunity to create a blast of sound on top of the last. A musical performance must be practiced and rehearsed, but a noise performance is served by the lack of preparedness. The spirit of improvisation is pushed to the limit in a noise performance because noise doesn't have to follow the rules. A noise performer is free to create with any sound, and the more it defies expectation, the more noisy it is. Noise's identity lies in the moment in which it is played. In order for a musical piece to be palatable, there must be silence from which it can emerge. There is no such requirement in order for a noise piece to exist, since noise exists everywhere we go, noise performances can be thought of as an amplification of the space from which music could emerge. Noise lives at the border of silence, where music cannot usually go. A noise artist plays with that darkness and seeks to express it without rules and without apology, only shining light on something typically ignored. Without silence, there could be no perception of music. Therefore, if we amplify that space between silence and music, if we seek to bring out the arbitrary as if it has meaning, if we listen where people naturally ignore, 
we will see that noise is anti-music. These sounds cannot be pleasing. They can only offend and will always result in the opposite of what we expect of music. It ought not be compelling, nor emotionally gripping, and yet we listen. To get a sense of why people listen, we talked to someone who's very involved in the experimental and noise scenes in Victoria. All right, my name is Sabine Ricard, and one of the things that I associate with noise is innovation. I think if we're going to use one word, it's innovation. I think that noise as we know it has been the result of a great deal of evolutionary experimentation with music. And I would, I would argue that this has to do with a variety of artistic movements, such as the Dadaist movement. An avant-garde movement from the early 20th century that rejected aestheticism, logic, and reason. The Futurist movement. An Italian movement, also from the early 20th century, that celebrated modern life and rejected the past. The Fluxist movement. An arts movement from the 60s and 70s that focused on the artistic process, rather than the final product. And these are visual arts movements, but often they would contain a form of audio aspect. And without these movements and also inventions of things such as the theremin, we wouldn't have what we understand now as experimentation or at least be allowed to have the experimentation that we get to with music resulting in what we know as noise. Experimentation is critical to noise and the theremin is an important tool of experimentation in sound. It's an electronic music instrument that is controlled by the relative position of the hands of the musician between two antennas. This means that its frequency and volume can be adjusted without ever being touched. Sabine argues that the element of improvisation and unpredictability is what is special about a noise set. You have this unique opportunity to not only experience the the music itself, or at least the art form in that sense, but you're also getting the opportunity to actually see and experience the creative process. So I think a lot of people might argue and say, hey, you know, this person's being, you know, they're, they're saying that they're improvising, but you know what? No, no, they're just, they're just making it easier by just, you know, pulling it out of their butt on the spot. That, okay, sure, you can argue that. That's fine. Let's get into a debate. But my stance would be that you're actually observing someone in their creative process. When you're observing someone in their creative per- process, that's an incredibly personal experience. And I think that's incredible. That's a, that's a unique opportunity. When you get to actually sit there and observe a, par- a, a painter paint, as you know, the live paintings that they have, it's, it's captivating, it's mesmerizing, it's hypnotic. It's the same thing when you get to experience a musician in whatever format of music that is, because it's a different, you know, medium of music, right? Whatever that is, a guitar, or if it's going to be a collection of pedals and playing with sine waves, or if it's going to be screaming, whatever that is, if it's improvisation on the spot, you're experiencing them in their in there working with their materials and what they they use it for. And I think that's a really beautiful personal and private experience. And I, I think it's really cool that so many people are willing to share that with with people. And it takes a lot of courage, I say, to to do that. So that would be my selling point. You're experiencing somebody on the spot being incredibly vulnerable and they're providing their most, the most, you know, truest, authentic creative form to you. For Sabine, the community surrounding the noise scene is an important part of enjoying it, and it's different from other communities. It really brings people together, as I suppose most uh, musical genres do, but I would say that the sort of atmosphere that's created with noise is you're enveloped in it. I think that you can feel it vibrating your bones. You can you can feel the buzzes throughout your body. It's a very it's a very encompassing experience and I think that's why there can be this interesting exchange that takes place between people that both attend and create the music because they're having a very deep effect on you. I, th- I think that can be said about a lot of art music, but you can feel, you can, li- if you want to be like, literally, I can feel the noise surging through me. And I feel like that's a big, interesting ap- impact that it has on, on the medium of music. Noise is a space where everything strange has a place. It's where people can create sound that transcends the bounds of what we recognize as music. When I consider the noise, the noise community and the noise creation of 
music and art. I find that there's a lot of different people that connect through it. And sometimes you wouldn't even expect certain people to be connected through it. And that's, that's because I, I, and what my hypothesis is, is that the noise arena is a source of true dadist, experimental, surrealist, you know, di um, uh, how, how do I say it? But rejection of status quo and and what you're expected to be doing artistically or whatever way that is. And so I feel like that is a really free space and a space to be welcome to experiment and to to really go forward with, with whatever bizarre it could be considered artistic form that is. And so in a way, I see it as being a very welcoming space and also receptive to things that might not fit in other areas, for example, right? So if you have a project that is a bit creepy, is a bit misunderstood, but is also not somehow i feel like that would be the place for it to be and maybe that's a bit different from what some people see with with the noise arena because it's mainly about you know what you're doing to create what you are creating but i see it as this this movement of its on its of its own that's connected to other art movements and that's why i i feel like i can fit in there <laughs> Next, we spoke to another noise music enthusiast. Um, Andy from uh, Cavity Curiosity Shop. Andy's store carries experimental music. And uh, is an open door for anyone who uh, wants to uh, sell their music or perform. Uh, we do the odd night uh, when there's nowhere else to play. Andy agrees that noise music is a unique medium for self-expression. Everything around us uh, put under a microscope. Um, it's uh, yeah. It's 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 an outlet for anyone who needs to release something. Uh, um, it's uh, it's an experience, and you should just dive into it if you're curious uh, at the genre. And he likes how challenging it can be. I like anything that just kind of rattles our our everyday life, like you know something that challenges us. I like when people come away th questioning what they just saw or. Uh, I, I love it also when I ever hear someone being like, you know, kind of putting it down at all. And then it, then they f usually that they feel like they've got to do better and stuff. And so it kind of propels um, people to to get creative, uh, you know, when they're challenged uh, on, on what a live show could be. Deconstructing what popular music tells people to enjoy and pushing back on the expectations of what music can be is what noise is all about for Andy. He wants to experience sounds that he'd never hear in everyday life, which is why he always tries to show people new things at his shop. I'll always show people anything they want to hear at the shop. Like if they, if they're remotely interested, like if the you know album art just catches their eye, or they something just kind of rubs them the wrong way, and they're like, "What is this all about?" You know, I'm I'm always party to put it on and and show them. Uh, I I just feel that like in the experimental field, like should just dive in, you know, and like. You know, whatever catches your eye and grabs your attention, uh, you should investigate it. You know, and and uh, see what there is to there is to offer. When Andy makes noise, it's both a way of dealing with complex life experiences and just simply exploring what he can do with sound. It's it's like a emotional release. You know, like it's I usually uh, kind of do do pieces that have to do with things I've been through in my life and uh, it's a way for me to sort of process it. Uh, um, it's, uh, and then there's just noise for the sake of noise, you know, you just, <laughs> you get everyday grind of, you know, waking up and going to work and coming home and you just want to do something crazy, you know, <laughs> you just want to, um, you know, weird curiosity of what something might sound like through a massive PA system. <laughs> and he does think noise is a type of music, but he also recognizes that there are some pretty important distinctions. I mean, you just keep turning up regular music, eventually it's going to become noise, you know. And some some bands sound better louder. I sometimes think things should be recorded louder and they've been recorded really low and like so and I love deconstructing music too, like just, you know, pitch changes and, and speed changes you know um 
I see the same thing sometimes when I see a noise show as I would if I went and saw like a you know a, a metal band play. It's 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 the intensity. It's the there's aggression and things like that. There's lots of crossover, um, but uh, I mean like to just put them side by side. There's definitely a massive difference in some senses. Here in Victoria, Andy says that there are more venues that are opening to doing noise shows who might not have been in the past. I, I feel that's directly linked to some people who've been in the noise and experimental music scene have now you know, gone on to like own venues or have a bigger uh, you know, um, part in some of the venues that we have uh, so that they can open those doors to people that would, would be playing in basements or you know, like small house shows or little bookstores and things like that um you know like here we're in logan's pub right now and um i mean there there were the odd noise show going down in 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 uh, logan's over the years like maybe back back when it was thursdays or something like that there was the odd show too but um it's it's definitely like something that we could bring to a pub and there's enough people to support it which um is nice I feel like the noise scene, though, in in Victoria has been consistently supported throughout the years. Things like the Noise Fest that went on for 10 years really caused the scene to grow in Victoria. But he also thinks it has to do with stylistic shifts in more popular music. It's um, more connected to the fact that there's there's people who are more open to these ideas, maybe. Maybe it's... I see more popular music these days using uh, aspects of experimental music in... in, uh, in their songs, you know, like trying to, I mean, there's, there's only so much you can do with music that you start reaching out for, um, you know, ways to like make it more interesting and more engaging. And and I feel like there, there's a lot of artists out there that, you know, playing popular bands and you dig around, you find out they've got a solo project where they're playing around with sounds. And I'm sure that's directly uh, connected to their process of writing songs and then in their more popular band, you know, that they're, they're in. And there's one good way Andy recommends making your music more interesting. Turn it up. <laughs> Just turn it up. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Buy some pedals. <laughs> Make your rock band crazier. <laughs> Our interviewer Chris attended a local experimental show with the goal of speaking to some artists about noise. First, we talk to a touring artist whose music is more minimalist drone. I perform under the name Hypnagogue. Um, I've been on uh, a tour of the West Coast, sort of a slow tour of the West Coast for the last six weeks, uh, starting in Arizona. Now I'm up in Victoria. I'd call it uh, experimental, ambient sort of music. It's uh, minimalist, drone-type stuff. So uh, tonight I'll be playing with a guitar um, sent through a bunch of effects and a, uh, I'll be doing some looping with a cassette four-track recorder, an old Tascam from the 80s. Uh, I got some cassettes with different loops on that and I'll be sort of mixing them with the four-track. James uses an analog setup with cassettes because he really likes the physicality of it and the challenge of making the sounds he wants to make. And I think it fits with, um, you know, the style and atmospheres that I like to create. Uh, it's very warm sounding. It has that natural fuzziness to it. And it's very, it's easy to uh, to record to and, you know, play back. And it gives another nice element of, you know, older technology coming back. I don't have a laptop with me. It's not... I don't put too much importance on it, but I'd rather not play with a laptop on stage. I don't think less of anyone that does, but for me, I, I like, I feel like it might be distracting or something. I could, I could probably put a laptop on stage and do all sorts of crazy things with that. But I also like the, um, the process of figuring it out without that technology, being able to do it all on the spot with... You know, with a cassette, you got to, you record it, you record what you want, you know, the sounds that you want to play, and then you got to control that 
with uh, buttons and physical buttons and knobs in real time. It's, I don't know, it's uh, more of a performance aspect to it, I think. Projecting a laptop presence is common in the experimental scene. There was an article in Pitchfork from 2009 called The Decade in Noise that says computers were a factor in the decline of noise in the early 2000s. It says that the revitalization of noise scenes came from artists who refused computers and stuck to primal, boundary-pushing, and spectacle-based performances. Performances that are about being present in the moment. I think of it as kind of creating a space, sort of, and if I can do that for myself while I'm playing, I think then, then I would consider it a successful set. It's kind of a... I like to think of the performance as kind of a way to like take a step back and we can all just relax for a little bit, you know, let the music wash over, maybe stop thinking about what we've been thinking about all day. So if I can do that, if I can do that for myself while I'm playing, then I, then I think I, you know, did an all right job. But for now, it's just if I can create a space for at least me or the uh, people listening, then that's, you know, I think as good as it gets. Because James doesn't follow a cookie-cutter performance plan, the mark of a successful show is not simply hitting all the notes as planned. I, I think of it as an overall structure that I kind of come up with before I play, kind of like an arc that I want to follow or certain sounds that I want to touch on. And then cause the, Im the improv comes in in the actual execution of it, I guess. So rather than... Uh, playing a set, you know, idea a, a certain amount of times or a set piece, I will, you know, play something, let it ring out, feel how it, you know, feel the sound of it, and uh, and just kind of, you know, a lot of it has to do with the room and the uh, the sound, you know, like the speakers in the room too. Certain sounds will just sound better in a certain room. So I'll just kind of go with that. If, if I'm really, you know, into something or it's really sounding good in the room that I'm in, we'll kind of dwell on that. And it's the type of music that I play kind of lends itself to that. You can let things linger and kind of drift away. James wants his performance to fill every space in the room. For me, I, I think it... I think it'd be like a feeling of being like enveloped by the sound. If I feel like the sound is, I think while I'm playing, I get excited or feel like it's going well if, if the sound is, you know, filling the room, I feel completely like enveloped by it rather than, you know, it shouldn't, it should sound like the sound's coming from all over, sort of surrounding you, which would, you know, makes it more conducive to the whole, you know, losing your self into it sort of thing more than anything james says it's about intuition and getting a feeling about what works and what doesn't i think a lot of it just comes down to having that little bit of anxiety where like oh this is going good oh this this doesn't sound that great or or whatever or like like the flip side of that is like oh wow this sounds really good this sounds you know there's always going to be like kind of critical of yourself while you're playing so which I tried not to, not to do, especially for this kind of thing where it's so experimental. But I, yeah, I feel like I'm doing a good job if, if I, yeah, if it's making me feel the way I want it to make me feel, then maybe it's doing that for everyone else. Every music scene needs community and support, but for the experimental and noise scenes with less mass appeal, it's critical. I think the, the scene for this kind of stuff is, uh, you know, well-connected. Everyone's well connected with each other well enough. And, and we all know that, you know, when anyone wants to come out to, uh, to the East Coast or, you know, we take care of them there. And coming out here, I've been very well taken care of. And that's sort of the thing that we have to do to prop each other up. And uh, unless you're doing singer-songwriter shit, you know, you got to, unless it's like really accessible music for people, you kind of have to prop each other up and take care of each other. It's a special thing to be able to, you know, travel and play music, and everyone can do that. We just, uh, yeah, we have to support support each other, you know.
book people, come see shows, you know, buy records, that sort of thing. James' impression of the Victoria noise scene is that it's very supportive and tight-knit. You know, this was the only out of, you know, I, I think I tried to get shows in maybe like 18, 19 different places. And a lot of places were pretty difficult. Even some big, you know, the bigger cities were pretty difficult. And I think everyone I contacted in Victoria got back to me within like a day. And so I had like three people working on this show. So everyone was like, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, 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 come on. It'll be great. <laughs> so, it's, yeah, and it's cool. And the, uh, the people that sort of linked me up with everybody are the guys in Six Bantha. I also play in a grindcore band, and I know those guys through that whole world. And they're like, yeah, we know a bunch of people that do that kind of stuff. It's like the complete opposite style of music, but, you know, it seems like... Uh, and we're just kind of looking out for each other here and building a, you know, a nice little scene. And it seems like it seems like you guys here have it figured out pretty well. <laughs> Chris caught up with a local noise musician at that same Logan's show. Oh. Uh, are we going? Are we rolling? Oh yeah, sweet, sweet. So my name is Will, and I have an experiment called Telluric. And telluric uh, are these telluric currents, which uh, in the world, there's a lot of electromagnetic waves going everywhere at all times, and they combine and subtract. Will's project reflects the phenomenon of telluric currents. And the resulting wave is the telluric current, and it's this massive global wave that's so big, they can travel through oceans, and it travels around the Earth, and that's called a telluric current, and it's actually the grounding current. So in my setup here, as you can't see, because it's radio or whatever this is, um, I have a theremin. And the theremin is this musical instrument that emanates electromagnetic wave. And when you interact with it, you change that waveform. Will's project is about process and experimentation. So my performance is uh, in, in the form of, I think it's called altioric music, I think, where it's like uh, you structure the thing to to not completely fail, but you leave so much up to chance. And so what I try to do is I try to patch everything together like an experiment. But like once it's like go time and like the first sound happens, the first drone, after that it's just like up to chance and it's up to like my relationship with with my gear and, and my setup at the current state and that's like what results. So so as I learn, like, really what a filter does, it's easy to spin the knobs from 0 to 10, but to really start to, like, wonder how that one electrical pulse is passing through all these several wires to reach to a certain destination, which is the speakers. And so I'm kind of, like, contemplating that as I'm playing, and the result is just sound, but I'm kind of more inside the experiment rather than what's coming out of the speakers. And sometimes I hate it. Sometimes it's the worst music sound, if even it's music. I don't even know if it is sometimes. But um, it's the, just the fact of doing and creating and being in the experiment and, and, and just having that like moment in space-time. He likes to see electricity at work, and that's a major part of Will's music. I'm like working with like the elements of, of what is electricity, and the result of that is sound coming through these magnets, which are speakers. It's kind of an interesting thing. So, like, I really like contemplating that. Sure, we can, like, jam our iPods into our ears through these, like, little earbuds. It's hard to contemplate that. I can't contemplate that, what this little microchip's doing to this little tiny thing in my ear. But when I spread all these cables out all over my gear and I see all the knobs and, and I can harness the power of electricity... And, and I can see my bass wave moving that speaker and knowing that a bass wave is like the size of like a three-story building and I'm feeling that when it's happening, like then it's like, wow, like this is, this is not like a black box. This is like electricity making art. Will recognizes the balance of allowing electricity to help him create his work, but also that losing power could bring the whole thing down. It's like controlling risk and parameters, right? There's so many variables going on that, like, 
Um, if there's uh, like a logistical variable that I don't need to be interfering, I try to like really dial that down. So power is one of them. I, I always come with my power patched. I don't want to do that here. Um, and the fun part is doing like the audio patching or the control voltage patching. And, and as I do that during my setup, it, it, it will change my performance. But like if I don't have my power, it, it's kind of like this whole thing is an Achilles heel. Um, if one of these, like on my modulation section, it's in series. So if one of those goes down, my whole modulation section goes down. So I don't really want my power to fail. And experimenting by making small changes and pressing buttons without knowing what will happen, he gets to see how electrical currents affect the sound, which Will sees as a butterfly effect. Yeah, I think that's what it is. It's the result of this, whatever this like marble experiment that we're f flying on this like helix at the speed of light like through this empty space right it's like it, it's kind of like the it's like the the oil of of energy it's like the resultant right and it's kind of this interesting thing yeah so i think it like informs a lot it, it's it's in all electronics it's one of the most exciting things i think Last, we talked to two people you may have heard if you listened to our last episode. Okay. Hi. <laughs> uh, good. Not a lot of sleep. Sleepy. Good, but sleepy. <laughs> yeah, you had a show last night. It was a good show. It was a very good show. Good, uh, good attendance. Good act. Good range of uh, people showing up. People excited. This was actually... Um, they're musicians, event planners, and they've been instrumental in the noise scene in Victoria. Paper, torn up shreds of balloons and all sorts of things. Whatever's soaked into the carpet. Uh, this is Soma. That's Ron. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, this is uh, our house. <laughs> they run Lot 8, a performance space for noise shows. Noise appeals to Soma because of how visceral the experience of listening to it is but also because of the experimentation that's integral to noise. Noise for me has kind of, uh, it's super nerdy. Um, and I totally enjoy nerding out on, on, you know, like that's when you put these two pedals together, that's the sound you get. And, you know, you know, even, you know, the, you know, twisting a knob this way or that way and, and experimentation. And I think that that's kind of a big part of it is, is basically nobody saying, okay, well, these are the sounds you have to make and this is how you have to get there. You get there on your own and you figure it out. And it's that experimentation that's been, is a big part of, of what I like about it. And, um, that it's not necessarily, uh, it's not necessarily tied to any particular, uh, instrumentation either, that it can be, pedals or field recordings or just a voice or you know it just runs the gamut and so that's something that the freedom of that is is pretty awesome for ron noise appeals to him on an intellectual level but it can also be a physical experience you can have that and it you can also have it where it's you know it's fireworks and explosions and uh, uh earth shaking and and very much you know hair on fire intensity where you you know you're not thinking about it at all you're just lost in it and mostly it's probably the being lost in it side of it that i appreciate the most but uh i've at a good uh, uh full-on noise set that i'm enjoying myself I, I don't know if i've ever been at like as satisfied as i am during those it's just uh it's the most fun that I can have at shows and I have a lot of fun at shows and like a lot of different genres of music but uh, noise live when it goes off is the best thing ever it's like last night uh someone described 
uh, Crank Sturgeon said is just uh, that they, you know, their face hurt because they were smiling so much. <laughs> so, yeah, I guess in the end, it's, it's, you know, enjoyment on some level, satisfaction. Yeah, I can be like uh, tired, sick, just completely worn out. And it's a, a good noise set. And I, you know, I feel like I've been drinking Red Bull solid for two days. <laughs> <laughs> Wee! <laughs> <laughs> and I kind of, I want like, I want everybody <laughs> yeah, <laughs> to, have, like... <laughs> to have that. It's like, what, you don't appreciate that? <laughs> They wanted to put on shows in order to showcase more noise acts, which is how Lot 8 began. Which we were talking about it earlier, kind of going, how long is how long have we actually been doing this for? And so we had to do a little, a little computer research to kind of go back. And we think it's like 2009. It was probably the first show here because before that, uh, we were doing uh, or involved with a series of uh, guerrilla shows that were ha- that we were doing around town and the last of those uh there was uh, a friend of ours had put on a show af- just after that and then we then we started doing them here and so that seems to be 2009 would have been the first the guerrilla shows that predated the space were roaming noise sets all over town yeah, uh, Inner Harbor, uh, Out on the Breakwater, uh, Horsey Substation, <laughs> um, uh, some on the Goose. Um, uh, I don't know what it, that square was called. It's now uh, a new building downtown, but uh, in between, what is that? Uh, uh, Johnson and Pandora. No, it's off of Pandora where that big new building across from City Hall went up. There was a, We did one in there when it was still sort of a square. Um we had, uh, or a friend of ours had a, a deep cycle uh, 12 volt battery, and we had a little PA. <laughs> We'd just go around and do uh, noise shows. It's pretty fun. Yeah, those are a lot of fun. Like, they definitely, we, they were, you know, never, you might have a few acts or you might have a few acts all play together. Um, you know, they were not super grandiose, but they, uh, definitely felt a little rebellious and they also felt, it felt really good to go outside and make a little ruckus and, um, they sort of ramped up the, like it started where the, uh, the PA transportation was an old baby carriage (laughs) and then eventually it got to the point where we had a bike trailer, (laughs) which is much more practical. Yeah. The shows were about going to an unconventional space and making a racket. But traveling shows like this also bring the audience into the present moment because they're experiencing something that can never be repeated. Most of ours were pretty small, but uh, (laughs) very fun. Yeah, and some of them moved. You know, you'd start in one location and and move to another location and then end up in a a last... So it required people had to not only know that it was happening or happen upon it, um, and then follow it, but be willing to move to the next location to wherever it was. Yeah. Yeah. Like we, I don't know, there was one of them that happened, uh, at the corner of, uh, Blanchard and, uh, uh, Yates. <laughs> we set up there for a little bit <laughs> and, uh, there was one that was on, uh, uh, broad in between, uh, Yates and view. Uh, we had a couple of them that, uh, 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 it was sort of strange that uh, Vic PD showed up at and were actually very, very cool about it that time, which wasn't expected. Normally, that would not be how your interactions would be. But uh, like there was one in the Inner Harbor uh, that we did that... Uh, they came to talk to us because of something else that had been going on. They wanted to know if we had seen, you know, a, a man go into a van. <laughs> um, and we had not, we, we had no idea what that was about, but, uh, they, uh, we were asked whether, Oh, is this one of those gorilla noise shows? <laughs> and they were, they were cool with it. <laughs> yeah. They were like, we're hip. Okay. Yeah. Clearly you are. <laughs> 
Ron and Soma eventually shifted gears and started organizing more house shows, mostly because it's just way easier to put together. Like for, for the noise fest that we were doing, um, especially towards the end, uh, we were doing them at uh, Open Space. It's a fair amount of money to, you know, invest in the hall, uh, all of the organizational stuff that goes around with it. And, uh, you know, it's not something that you can decide, you know, a few weeks before, hey, let's do a show. Uh, it's like a lot more planning and it's not that that's not satisfying and, and, and worth it. It's just the, all of that side of it also comes with, you know, the stress, is this going to work out? Is it, uh, um, uh, will this, will people actually show? Um, and there's way less of that when it's, you know, uh, a, a, a small house show. <laughs> And it's not just that smaller shows or house shows are easier to organize. They're just, they're always seem to be more fun. <laughs> I, I don't know if I played a show. Um, where was that? That was uh, in uh, Olympia in a, uh, uh, like a, it wasn't a, a finished basement. Like it was sort of this, <laughs> like a gravel bowl <laughs> underneath um, that, you know, had like insulation and, uh, I don't know how much, uh, uh, like stove oil or, or furnace oil had like spilled in there, but like, you know, when you see a show in a space like that, it's, it's a lot more intense. It's a lot more fun. And we're not, this is a finished basement and this is like, a, you know, it's not like that, but, uh, it is, uh, the kind of size where, you know, you can't get away from it if you're in here. <laughs> also, if people are talking over the performer at a noise show in a smaller space, Ron says the solution is just to make it louder. And a small room makes that uh, a lot easier. <laughs> Lot 8 may be the only venue in town that caters specifically to noise artists, but it's not the only place in Victoria to go see a noise set. Well, and it's also, like, it's awesome that we're not the only uh, space that does... Uh, I, like, I, usually ours are more purely noise-focused. Uh, not always, but mostly... Um, but there are other spaces around town that are definitely doing like noisier events or events that feature noise. And that's awesome. Soma and Ron welcome more noise shows. Part of the goal was to be able to go to a noise show that like we had nothing to do with. And that has happened multiple times and is still happening and uh, uh, is awesome. Like that's a, a treat. That's a, so. It's great. It's totally great. <laughs> I mean. Uh, being able to go to a show that you had nothing to do with, it's like uh, being able to see that where you haven't had to sort of uh, uh, feel that, you know, you're like pushing on people to, cause you really want this to happen. Um, and just having that sprout up, it's, it's like, that's the best thing ever. I mean, uh, Sort of the goal isn't to like you know like we want yeah, to be bring the all lords shows. of noise. We're the lords <laughs> yeah. of noise. Like that's we're not gathering the goal. <laughs> all the shows. <laughs> um, I mean, we like doing them and it's fun, but it's uh, it's better when there's <clears throat> other people doing their take on it, and it uh, uh, it means that if you know at some point we're not able to do these, that it's not like it, it's done. It's not like there's no more noise in Victoria. There'll still be noise happening, and that's great. Ron says that it's important to have spaces that are dedicated to noise because it takes specific knowledge of what noise is and how it works to do the sound. I mean, you've touched on a few of those basics right there, that it's intimate, it's close quarters. What are the real strengths that Lot 8 provides? Like, Why do people get excited to play here? Um, one of the things is that they know the people running the show, uh, know how to put on a show and it's not like uh like one of the things that happens to a lot of noise acts when if they're playing shows you know around is that they'll be playing an event where the people that are running specifically the pa um aren't into noise and don't really know anything about noise don't know what to expect and the second they start producing noise, the person that's running the PA is like trying to fix it <laughs> and, uh, or freaking out or, 
you know, trying to turn it down, trying to stop them. <laughs> and uh, they know here that the, there will be a decent PA and they know that the people that are on the other side of the PA, like, appreciate what they're doing and are stoked to see them doing that. Our interviewer, Chris, was about to move on in the interview, but then... Can, can I interrupt you? Yeah, uh, you you've played here. <laughs> what, what was your uh, take on playing here? Uh, what do you mean, like? Because um, this really isn't about me. <laughs> oh, just the interview. <laughs> uh, that's why I'm not on mic. <laughs> um, I, I I rant and rave about this place. I mean, this is. I feel like certain aspects of of me were born here like he that's why i'm so excited about coming here and talking to you and asking these questions is because of what you facilitated for me Mm. and the deep respect and admiration i have for the type of work that you're doing i mean Mm. on one level you might think that what you're doing is selfish but the the thing that you're serving within your own self exists within others and by doing it the way that you're doing it, you're providing me with not only a model of how to perform, but the idea that you're gathering people and you, that you've, you, you're, you're serving a community of people in the way that you are, to me, that is, that's the next level. Like you're, you're doing something that's so much more profound than just the individual acts, the individual nights, the fact that you've been able to keep this going for this amount of time, it's, it's uh, truly, I, I, I have so much to learn. Serving the community in the way Chris is talking about takes a lot of work. Doing this is not free for them, but... No, it's, it's totally worth it. It's, it's like, in the end, I mean, you know, we, we do it because we enjoy it in the long run. Like, it's something that we enjoy doing. We like seeing the show we like putting on the show so it's kind of just like you know a a match it's a good match for us in terms of in terms of uh, being able to put on the show and have it here it's 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 lots of fun I mean I I even though some of the acts that we've had are it's not all like super positive but the vibe around the whole event itself is about is about having a good time and sharing that good time with a group of people. Things like spreading the word about Lot 8 shows on social media and the scene coming together to support the event are things that are really important in making it work. One of the things that I really appreciated about the most recent show is just, you know, we're not necessarily super social media uh, types. And there was a lot of reposting of the poster and, comments and that definitely helped a lot I think in terms of getting the word out there like we have our email list but you know that goes so far and then having other people kind of say hey this is going to be an interesting event that that also is a big deal and that's sort of the scene supporting itself and getting the message out there. Overall, Ron and Soma hope that people continue to support noise spaces and the people that maintain those spaces. Having a diversity of venues and artists that create new and innovative sounds is crucial to maintaining an arts community. The noise scene in Victoria pushes the bounds of what music is, and it challenges what is acceptable to play to an audience. Yeah, last chance. Anything that you'd like to say, uh, um, shout out or anything at all that might get, you know, the radio. Um, uh, go to local shows and yeah. support local spaces and people that help to maintain those spaces uh, support Cavity support Subculture Club um, support any show uh, that uh, uh, Six Brew Tyler is connected to go Wait. check it yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, uh, be thankful that you have those spaces and uh support them because when they're they're gone you will notice (laughs) be glad you have them and support them uh, and everybody will be happy
This has been an episode of All Access on CFUV 101.9 FM. Thank you to all of our guests, Sabine Ricard, Andy Anderson, James Rose Otto of Hypnagogue, Will of Tulurk, Soma Morse, and Ron Brogdon. This episode was produced by Nicola Watts, with help from Chris Radula, Aria Potanen, Silas Cern, and Troy Lemberg. Our executive producer is Mary Decker. This episode was made possible by the Community Radio Fund of Canada and UVic Student Awards in Financial Aid. Don't forget to catch next week's episode of All Access and subscribe, rate, and review wherever you get your podcasts. I've always wanted to say that. Very cool. Yeah, yeah, people are into it. I don't call it a market, but. (laughs) If you like this episode, you'll love our episode on another misunderstood genre, opera, called Old Italian People Singing. Hey, give me your ear. Let's, uh, let's pull back the curtain for a minute and check out behind the scenes of CFPB's podcasts. Me, this year, I wanted to focus on interviewing and learn some of the skills associated with that. And working on the podcasts got me loads of people to interview. And I got a chance to go and meet new people and practice some of those new skills that y'all helped me learn here. It was really fun going out and playing with the microphones and the sound recording equipment and experimenting with different ways of setting it all up and seeing the different results that came. For me, that was kind of, aside from the personal personality aspect of interviewing people, which I enjoyed, was the whole technical side, which I really had a lot of fun with. And the gear at the station here was, the gear was good. And I was able to put together some interviews that I, that I was really happy with. It took some practice and some tweaking, but that was a lot of fun for me. <laughs>